Harper. I'm actually a little nervous, Rob. No. I'm a little nervous. Don't be nervous. I'll be, <laughs> we, I'm sitting here today with, uh, I mean, I, I try to let other people introduce themselves, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a stab at introducing you just because I feel like I got this. Okay. 23-year veteran, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Riggle. Yep, right. On the money so far. Actor, comedian. You have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have a great family. It seems like I mean I didn't I didn't stalk you, but yeah. I did a little bit. Yeah. What What is your greatest achievement? Um, uh, you know, I think it's the traditional answer, but it's the right one. It's my kids. You know, I think that's raising them right and and providing for them and giving them all the opportunities you want for them. That's the right stuff. I forgot to mention. Most importantly, for this show at least, golfer. Yes. <laughs> Avid golfer. Desperately seeking to improve. You, you say that with the sort of eye roll that, uh, why does golf do that? I mean, you know, you've, you've, I'm assuming you play a lot. How often do you play golf? It's kind of feast or famine for me. So, you know, there's, there's some months where I'll get, get out five times in a month. And then there's times where I won't play for two months. And I think that's why I stay perpetually at about a 10 or a 12 handicap. That's pretty good, though. I mean, for not that much time to practice. Yeah. It, can, it, it ebbs and flows. It's so weird, too. Like, if I don't play for a couple weeks, I come back and play really well. And then if I play three or four days in a row, that fourth day is it's terrible. Like, I'm in the low 90s. It's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's almost like diminishing returns. Yes. The more you do it, which is untrue of almost anything else in life. Yes. It's so- yeah, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if more swing thoughts come into your brain or you get out of rhythm or I don't, I can't, I'll never understand it. It's I almost think it's like grandiosity. Yeah, how so? Like I've been playing so much, and I'm like, well, I mean, I should be getting better and better and better, and then I don't, and then I start to think I can play better than I can or get out of my swing. Yeah, I don't know. I you, don't know what it is. It's infuriating. Do, <laughs> is anything else in your life as infuriating as golf? Um, thank God, no. Right. <laughs> because that would be a big problem. Right. That would be uh, uh, if I had anything else that would quite set me off like this. I'd never do I ever scream curse words. <laughs> it just doesn't happen in my life. <clears throat> never do I want to break a putter. Have you ever broken one? No, Any I've, club? Never, I've never. Let me think about that. Closest you've ever come? I came really close to throwing a club um, into a lake one time at Myrtle Beach. That's, that's sort of innocuous. Yeah, and I didn't do it. Mainly because I'm cheap. <laughs> Mainly because at the time I was I was a lieutenant in the Marine Corps and I had no money, and I couldn't afford a new putter. Uh, so I I held on to it even though I desperately wanted to throw it into the lake. Because <laughs> uh, you know I got actually that brings me to I got a lot of questions from some listeners. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll just jump into this one here. Um, actually, no, this is Benny. My man Benny is in the uh, I believe it's the Marines. I, I could be wrong, but he's out in. Uh, 29 Palms. He was wondering, what's the best Marine base course you've ever played? Um, 29 Palms is Marine base, uh, so he is Marine. Um, uh, I thought the, um, as far as Marine Corps bases go, I thought Cherry Point, the... uh, I don't know. It's the second Marine Air Wing, uh, uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina. Um, Big air station there. Um, And whenever you swing with the wing, as they call it, (laughs) um, wherever the air bases are, there's a good chance because the pilots like to play golf. Oh, so and the our, golf courses tend to be a little better. And our pilots typically, uh, is there a rank amongst our pilots? They have, a, they have a different rank that sort of puts them a bit more posh, a bit more country club? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, they're, but they, um, um, 
the the wing like we always make jokes about the air force the air force <laughs> gets money from congress to go build a new base and they build housing and they all this stuff and it's all top notch beautiful it's like a beautiful college campus and then they build this unbelievable golf course which is fantastic and then they have to go back to congress and ask money for runways <laughs> Uh, and that's the, you know that's how we tease the Air Force, but uh, it's not necessarily untrue. Like the Air Force, um, they have they have really great facilities, um, and uh, they tend to have really nice golf courses. Band of Brothers, yeah, big fan. I mean, it, any any thoughts on it? Because this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. It's literally my favorite thing I've ever seen. I've I dropped out of high school. I have no. I I, I on nine eleven. I almost joined the army, uh-huh. but I didn't. Uh, I, I watching that makes me wish I had. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it's so well done. It's a, it was a Spielberg uh, and Tom Hanks uh, production. Um, so, and the story's phenomenal. It's a true story. They follow the uh, what were they? The five hundred five. Yeah. Echo. Uh, Echo Company. Easy Company. Easy Company. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is. It's a phenomenal true story because you talk about really fighting that war across Europe from the American perspective, these guys were there the whole, the whole way. Uh, so yeah, just a tremendous story. I loved it. As a matter of fact, I was starting to get into acting around the time they were making that. And I think I actually went in an audition for it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did obviously didn't get it. Uh, and I'm not sure if, and if I did get it, I could have done it. Because sure. I was on active duty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was living in New York, and I was, um, you know, Marine Corps during the day, and at night I'd go do uh, comedy and acting. What, what, I mean, you know, I've, what was it like your first, like, putting it out there of doing comedy or acting? What, what... Terrifying. It was awful. I remember the first time I ever did stand-up. Like, when I got to New York, uh, I just knew I wanted to pursue comedy and acting. And I thought, I, I knew nothing about it. I just knew I wanted to try. I had to try. It was this weird thing. It's, it was inside. It was like, I have to try it. Um, and so uh, I, the first place I found was a comic strip live on the Upper East Side. And it's a stand-up club. And they were teaching classes. So I was like, okay, this is where I start. So I went in and signed up for classes, paid my whatever, 300 bucks, and uh, took whatever, five weeks of classes. And... Um, it was awful. It was really oh, it was so what, bad. Why it was well, like it was the, humiliating. I, I kind of grew up uh, watching Eddie Murphy, Delirious, mm. and Raw. Yeah, and he was Ritz a, Cracker. Yes, like his storytelling. Yeah, you know he was a storytelling stand-up, which means he took you on this wonderful journey through things that you remember, and then he did characters within this journey. And yeah, it was just the, the way he told his stories. Uh, it wasn't the traditional Friars Club, three jokes per minute. Set up punch, set up punch, set up punch, moving on. Right. And that's what they taught there was set up punch, set up punch, set up punch, which I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more of a storyteller. But uh, their house, their rules. Uh, so I've had to try to do that. So I was trying to write material for set up punch. And I'm like, take my wife, please. My arms are tired. You know. <laughs> Jean d'Arc. Yeah, I flew in and my arms are tired. It's just <laughs> like, uh, you know. I, but I um, I did it. Uh, and I remember it was it was time for the student show. Which you know they say, and you got to invite two friends, you know. Oh right. And I'm right. like, I'm not doing that. I'm not inviting anybody, because um, I didn't want anybody to see what I've done yet. I don't know what I'm. I don't know if this is how this is going to go. 
And I got up on stage and I remember I was fine right until I started walking up on the stage and my adrenaline kicked in and I got nervous. I'm telling you, I haven't been nervous like that. Shaky <laughs> adrenaline. My adrenaline was cooking through my body. It was total fight or flight and I couldn't flight. So, so I'm there and I, here I go. And I mean, it was a blur, honestly, a blur. I and I, I didn't black out, but I don't remember a lot. And it wasn't, and then I, I walked off stage, and it, I, I, I think it went well. I got the vibe that it went okay. <laughs> it wasn't a bomb, but it went okay enough. And I walked off, and I went right to the bar, and I got a drink, and I just sat there, and I kind of nursed a beer, and I was like, I hated that, I hated that, I hated that. <laughs> that was an awful experience. And they give you, as part of the deal, they give you, a, this is the time, VHS copy of your performance. So it was five minutes here, you know, and they gave me a copy of my tape. So I went home that night and watched the tape and finally saw what I looked like, what I sounded like. And it, it was it went fine. It, it, you know, I didn't destroy the room or I didn't do anything, but I also didn't bomb. You know, it was just a uh, fine. Good job. And uh, um, and I really thought I'd made a huge mistake. I was like, what? What am I? Oh, I can't believe I stopped flying to come up here to do this. And uh, I thought that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it and then I got really depressed because I was like, oh, I can't believe I want to do this because it was so painful to get on that stage. It was like, so intimidating. For how long were you depressed? Oh, <clears throat> nothing clinical. I mean, I was just down in the dumps probably for a couple weeks. Really? Like, yeah, because I was thinking, you know, I, I had kind of I'd given up flying. Yeah. So that I could switch to the ground side so that my contract would be shorter so that I would have an opportunity to pursue comedy and acting, which I really felt was something I was supposed to do or felt it. I needed to try it, and if they slammed the door in my face and said never come back, I could live with that more than not knowing. Yeah. You know, I think that would have haunted me. Never trying would have haunted me way more than failure. Yeah, but I didn't realize how taxing it was. One to create, you know, three jokes per minute, and then two, to get up and just be that nervous. I mean, I was a hot mess. It was even when I was nursing that beer at the bar, my hands were still shaking. It was crazy. I'd never experienced anything like that, so I hated it. And then um, a friend of mine, um, through a friend through a friend, said, "Well, you know, maybe you ought to try improv." And I was like, uh, "What is that? You know, like sports, comedy sports? You know, like you, you do make them up songs? Uh, you know, I'm no good at that." And um, no, there's all kinds of improv. There's long form improv. There's you know sketch comedy. There's all kinds of comedy here. So I was like, "Oh." So I went down. He goes, go see my friends. They just moved here. They opened a, a theater, and they're starting a school. It's called the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, Amy Poehler, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, and Ian Roberts were the four founding members. And they were the teachers. So I went and saw. They had put on a show on Sunday night called Ask Cat. And I went and saw their show, and it was awesome. It was live performance. It was They were making things up as they went. None of it was scripted. They were able to do characters, they were able to act, they were able to write and create, and they were doing it all in front of you. Nothing re nothing rehearsed, nothing written, and I was blown away by how well they could read each other, how well they could play, how smart their decisions were. I was just, I thought it was the coolest thing I ever saw. So I immediately went up and grabbed Matt Walsh after the show and said, hi, um, you know, I'm Dave's friend, um, uh, where do I sign up? And he was like, oh yeah, Dave told me to be coming. And then we went down. I, I signed up for classes that night and uh, started studying there and learned, I learned from some of the best improvisers and sketch comedians in the country. 
and that uh, that place had a big part in your career going forward. I, can we just fast forward? Like, I'm I'm curious to know now. Yeah. When people come up to you, what do they say? Um, where do I know you from? <laughs> I was hoping that they would all just say in the face. <laughs> Some do that. Like that's I get, a, I get I get in the face. That's a good one. I, I get not up in here. <laughs> right, right, I get right. that one a lot, and I get pow. Okay, right, right. From uh, Step Brothers, I get that one a lot. What uh, was in the face? Was that was that written, or did you come up with all that? of that? All it three was. of those lines were uh, improvised. Todd's kind of a genius. Yeah, those were all three improvised lines. Right. Um, oh, they weren't written. You, no, you they, came up with those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes me even happier. So I'm the genius. I'm according to your. Metric. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, they uh, that the uh, in the they, all that stuff was. There's so much in that scene that was added to. We improvised because it felt like there were such these long gaps. Right. Like when uh, the kid is sizing up Bradley Cooper, you know, or or sizing up Galifianakis, <laughs> and he's about to shoot Galifianakis in the face. Right. It was all dead air, you know, because it was supposed to be this slow, intense thing, which is fine. But I'm going to do a take where I fill that space, right? You know, um, and so I started saying, "I like the intensity." <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I like. We say that we say that on the T yeah, a lot. I like, the intensity, I like the intensity. I like the intensity. Don't be afraid to ride the lightning, little man. <laughs> you know, just all these little coaching things, because that's what you know. I felt like this guy would have done. Yeah. You know, he was enjoying himself. Oh yeah. He wanted these guys to get tased, so he was savoring <laughs> all of it. Uh, uh, Officer Franklin was savoring all of it. So that's, so yes, yeah, so I threw him in there, and then and Todd was nice enough to keep him in. So, right. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. I I actually can like literally still hear you saying it, even though I probably haven't seen a Hangover in a couple years. You yeah. know what I mean? But like yeah. that for me is the line. You oh, know, because it's it's like a song almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then in the in the interrogation scene, uh, Cleo, uh, my fellow deputy, you know, she was like, uh, she said, "Not up in here." <laughs> And then I just echoed it. That's all I <laughs> yeah. did because she hit it so well. I thought I need to emphasize that because I, I want him to, you know. So I go, not up in here, <laughs> and and people, uh, I get a lot. I get that a lot. Right. Yeah. Uh, so going from the Marines now, playing a lot of golf. What do you? What do you, did, did the Marines teach you anything that you use on the golf course today? Oh, you know, I, I get asked that a lot about Marines and anything else, oh. uh, whether it's acting or comedy or golf or, you know. So it's a great question. It is a great question. Thank you. Well done, sir. Thank you. Um, uh, it's uh, the intangibles. It's the intangibles. It's There's no direct Marine Corps link to it, um, but it is the intangibles of uh, mental toughness, of um, sticking with something, of adapting to your current situation, like trying to one. overcome, you know, whatever the obstacle is in front of you. Um, one, you know, Ben Hogan's the most important shot is the next one, right? So uh, it's all about doesn't matter what you just did, what are you going to do now? And then doesn't matter what that just happened. If it went well or bad, great. You still got the next thing to do. There's no finish line. You got to keep going, keep going, keep going. I've never thought of no finish line. That's both terrifying and a bit of a relief. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Do Do you actually ever on the golf course? <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, I like, will take that back. I, I do. I, I just thought of something. Uh, on Fridays, I used to take some of the Marines in my office, and we'd go do terrain appreciation, um, which uh, I would do on the golf course. What is terrain appreciation? Terrain appreciation is um, when you are tactical in the field, and you say, "All right." We're go, or, you know, by by sunset, we've got to take that hill, right. and uh, our rally point is going to be that saddle in the hill, 
Okay, you got to know what a saddle looks like. Okay. You got to know a convex hill versus a, a concave hill. You got to know a draw versus a finger. You got to know all these nomenclature of terrain. Uh, and so we would play golf, and I would say, "What is that?" And they go, "That's a draw." I go, "That's right." And let's move on, you know. And so we'd squeeze in golf and terrain appreciation at the same time. Right. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what a draw is. What what is a draw? Is uh, it- it's uh, when you're going up a hill. It's like two pieces of the hill stick out and it's just the draw right up the middle it's like oh, okay. a valley like little, maybe where water would little, flow yeah a little Got valley it. little valley I'm telling you I do, I do wish i had done that um i uh i just got but you do i one guy said i'm just reading the sure, question sure sure this is not a plug for me i already know the answer are you going to do the invitational this year it's in december if so, can Eric Andrews Lang play with you? Now, I'm not. I didn't ask that question. Yes, that was but a great question. But it was a great question. It was a great question. Um, here's the thing, though. I, uh, I I would love to play if there's a spot. But yeah. I um, you you may not have seen Adventures in Golf. It's the show I do for the PGA Tour. We're on our we're releasing our third season now, ten episodes a season, and I've been wanting to do this episode for a while. Yeah. And we did it this year. We went out to uh, the. Um, the uh, VGA, Veteran Golfers Association, uh, out to the Clipper in Oahu and played golf with 12 guys. Yeah. Uh, and just what, what we saw was uh, men who were back, who had had you know, all different types of trauma, and whether they used golf or not prior, mm-hmm. we're currently using golf as a form of camaraderie and time together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, a lot of, well, golf, we all know, is such a wonderful bonding experience. You get four, usually four, uh, anywhere from three to five, uh, <laughs> uninterrupted hours on the course with your friends. Uh, and it's not just all golf. You're talking about everything. You're talking about life, politics, family, uh, current events, whatever's going on, sports. Um, but it's, it's, it's the social time. It's the connection time. And for a lot of our veterans uh, coming back, um, home one of the big struggles they have is is dealing with isolation they get isolated uh, and then they um, try to to deal with their problems or their concerns or their um, PTSD or whatever you want to say but they try to deal with it alone and that's where people get into trouble Um, you need fellowship you need uh, camaraderie you need connection and so I can see how getting out on the golf course with some of your fellow service members and being able to share with them and stay connected to them and build relationships is wildly important. You know, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons I love Band of Brothers so much is because they literally are nothing other than a band of brothers, right? And and I would imagine leaving that is quite hard. I mean, in, in, a, in a very tiny and trivial sense, my job, you know, we take a group of people, we go out with an objective, we spend every minute together, we are dealing with problems left, right. And when we come home, it's it's difficult, and I and I could only imagine that amplified by a thousand if you're facing life and yeah. death circumstances. Yeah, yeah, especially when you you are talking about life and death situations, and you're talking about putting your trust and your life in other people's hands, and them doing the same for you. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a much higher level, I think, of of dedication and um, uh, love, even if you will, because you, it, the stakes don't get any higher. Hmm. They don't get any higher. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking about Mark Wahlberg right now. I don't know why. I, he, he, have you played golf with him? You worked with him, right? I did work with him on the other guys. Yeah. Uh, a great guy. 
uh, awesome dude uh, and a heck of a stick uh, from yeah. what I hear. I haven't played with him yet. You haven't played with him? No. It won't take he you play, a lot of time. He, he plays, plays so fast. two-hour rounds. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't even know. I mean, look, I, I like a fast round. Don't get me wrong. But a two-hour round is Puerco Loco El Calor. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I think it means going crazy from the heat. I think it's something like a fat pig. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but... know. but all I know is uh, by the two-hour mark, I'm usually wrapping up at nine. Yeah. Not 18. He plays at Wilshire. I'm a member at Wilshire. I've seen him play there uh, once, but he was going so fast that I, I wasn't even sure it was him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who plays with him. Does he no. just go out with a caddy? He has two caddies. Okay. Because I, I so guess... So they go out with four caddy and <laughs> then guess, guy with him? Yeah. And then I think there's maybe some other people just monitoring. I'm not <laughs> I can believe it. But also, I, you know, there are certain people in Hollywood, him, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and Kevin Hart, mm. I would put there, and The Rock, Dwayne yeah. Johnson. Love The Rock. Um, these are the hardest working guys I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, uh, I, I work hard, but these guys, um, I mean, from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed, they are on. Yeah, And I'm talking about, they, you know, they, they get up, they knock out runs, workouts. You know, they, they do these things. Uh, some people might call that a day. You know, and yeah. they don't. They, then they have interviews. And, you know, they're with the thing when you're a, uh, A-list celebrity like they are, your time is so not your own. Right. You know, everybody wants a piece of you. It's obnoxious. And you think it's not like that, but it is. Nobody ever comes to you and says, hey, I want to do something for you. I have something for you. Nobody does that. They go, I need you to do this for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure it's exhausting for them. Yeah. yeah you sure. see through a lot of people really quickly. Yeah. Um, where do we go? I don't know what to ask you. Now. No, I've, uh, by the way, uh, Invitational, uh, yeah. December 3rd, I think. Um, you're more than welcome. Love to have you I would you love out there. to. Yeah, I'd love to have you out there. I talked to the PGA Tour, and they said that uh, they uh, they would release the episode that we shot the day after, the December 4th. Oh. So I don't know. Maybe we can get a, maybe we can get a sneak of it. I don't know. Something. I'd, love to, I'd love to show it to you guys. I feel like of all the episodes we've done, I think it'll be the most meaningful. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love to hear that. I was on the Golf Channel uh, on the 4th of July because uh, I played in this uh, Patriots at Pebble Beach. Saw that. And um, it was uh, it was awesome. You know, that's the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation, and they uh, help fulfill the promise of an education to uh, wounded, severely wounded or fallen service members mm. so that their kids can go to college. So it's a great organization. But that was a, another great tournament. There's a lot of great tournaments out there. We, yeah. We've all seen them the – uh, Folds of Honor, I think they do in Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, they do some great tournaments out there. Best golfing memory. <sighs> Best golfing Ooh. memory. Ooh. Maybe the first time I played Pebble. Oh. I remember one time, too, when I was, like, I had just started the game, and I was really passionate about it. Knew nothing. Yeah. Didn't that know, happens. Those didn't, coincide. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know anything about it. I think I was 13 or 14. And... You know, I was playing with my old, my mom's 1951 Patty Bergs. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's a uh, Patty Berg was a famous female golfer. Okay, but uh, so it'd be like uh, she an, made old clubs? Se- an old set of Ben Hogan's, but they were made for ladies. <laughs> but I was so little and young that you know I could play with the lady clubs. So I'd had an old set of Patty Bergs <laughs> with like uh, they weren't quite wooden shafts, but they might as well have been right. Um, but anyway, I, we took a trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. I've been there. And, you know, I'm typical 13-year-old, like, everything sucks. And But I saw the, the Golden Horseshoe at Williamsburg. It was a beautiful course. Probably the most beautiful course I'd ever seen because, I, you know, I, I just didn't – I wasn't exposed to golf courses. I right. just didn't see them. But I remember seeing how green and beautiful it was. And 
I just I must have given my dad the big puppy dog eyes or whatever because he said, "All right, let's go play." And he's not a golfer. He doesn't. He's never picked up a club in his life. Doesn't like it at all. But he knew I wanted to play this course, even though I had very little skills at all. He, but your mom's a golfer. Nope. Nobody oh, in my family's a golfer. Nobody in my family's a golfer. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, she just had them because I think her dad gave them to her or whatever. Because right. my grandfather actually liked okay. liked the game, um, but he was a farmer, so he never had time. So, um, but. Long story short, I'm making it way too long, but uh, my dad rented a cart, rented me some clubs, and we went out, and he just drove around, and I played all 18 holes, but they had an island green, which I, I never, I was like, this is amazing, this is, <laughs> this is the most cool thing I've ever seen, and the, the, the fairways, I remember the trees were so tall, and the fairs were so green, it was like playing in a hallway, you know, a life-size hallway or whatever, it was just amazing, so that was a very, one of my very first and special memories about golf. Uh, someone reached out and said, uh, being from Kansas City, how come there's not a great course in Kansas City, they asked? Uh, there are there are great courses. Um, okay, so but they, they've been I'm gonna sometimes, sometimes recently coming. But, I mean, if they're talking about, like, an Augusta or a Pebble, you know, it's just saying that, that's unrealistic. But we have great golf courses in, in Kansas City. All right, well, I apologize. Yeah. I'm gonna, I apologize. Yeah, what the heck? Skagneticon. It's fucked up. <laughs> He's a hater. He's a hater. He's from Oakland. All right, everybody, get into Clublender. Taking a trip and don't want to lug your clubs? I don't. Clublender's got you covered. Actually, I don't mind because I get free bags, but if you don't get free bags, stop getting fucked. If you like to travel light and get out of the airport fast, next time rent premium clubs from Clublender instead of bringing your own. No one looks cool dragging a bag of clubs through an airport. That's actually very true. I always feel like I have some dead bodies in there. And who wants to pay the airline an extra baggage fee? I would not. I would not do it if I didn't get it for free. They haven't got enough. <laughs> they haven't got enough of your money already. You jicks. Give me my money back. Visit clublender.com. Select the set you want from among Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, and PXG. And select your dates. Yeah, I want some dates. Uh, whether the Medjool dates, uh, whatever. Clublender will deliver them in a vessel bag. Oh, that vessel bags are actually pretty chill. The day before you're round to any hotel or course, home or office in California, Utah, Nevada, or Arizona. Did you hear that? California, Utah, Nevada, or Arizona. If you want to rent anywhere else in the U.S., give them a call or chat with them online, and they'll try to set you up with clubs. They have lefty and righty, stiff and regular, men's and women's. I don't know. I might just fucking switch it up and go with uh, left-handed, regular flex women's clubs and just see what happens. Better yet, the clubs come with tees, a divot repair tool, a ball marker, and a wet, hot, almond-scented towel. I'm just kidding. It's a regular towel. If you need a range finder, a glove, or balls, they can send them along, too. Jeez, this is a fucking one-stop shop. Prices start at $65 a day for the first day, $20 each additional day, less than most airlines charge for that extra bag. True facts. And there's no waiting around at that oversized baggage area. Yo, that's true. The oversized baggage area sucks. Get ready for the code, y'all. Use Eric Lang as a coupon code at clublender.com to get 10% off your first rental from Clublender. It's E-R-I-K-L-A-N-G. Eric Lang is the code. Own the experience, not the clubs, Clublender. All right, that's a pretty good ad. Adidas golf shoes, y'all. Uh, my favorite pair, I'm going to go with Addy Pure. I like the Tour 360 Knit. Yeah, the knit one. Check out what DJ's wearing and get into that, my guy. Nothing compares to a pair that I wear on the course every time I play. It's true, y'all. I don't miss not being able to wear any other golf shoe because contractually I can only wear Adidas at this point. But the truth is, 
I couldn't imagine a better situation. And you know what? A little behind the scenes, I went to Adidas and I was like, look, guys, let me not wear any other golf shoe ever. And they were like, yes, sir. And I was like, yes. And then my agent was like, this contract is signed. Anyway, now all I wear is Adidas and I couldn't be happier. Comfort and stability is hard to find in golf shoes, but Adidas delivers every time, quite literally every goddamn time. I've worn, I've had so many friends tell me how comfortable their golf shoes are, how uncomfortable their golf shoes are, and I always tell them, buy Adidas, Boost, and my guy. Get into the Boost, y'all, literally. It's very easy for me to talk about them because I actually like them. You can't beat Boost. It's so comfortable. So basically, Adidas golf shoes, and then they're what? There's basically Adidas golf shoes, and then there's every other brand true facts. No comparison, Adidas golf shoes every time, my guy. You can buy a pair of your local retailer or visit adidas.com and go to the golf section because where else do you want to go on adidas.com? You only want to go to the golf section to buy golf shoes. Also, follow adidas.com. I'm sorry, follow Adidas Golf on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook for all the latest news and releases. Oh, big update. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right. Thanks, y'all. Best food on set ever. It's kind of a bad question, but I'm not at all because craft be, services really is the life is the lifeblood of. The, is it really? Yes. If you have bad food on a set, the crew, the cast, everybody's unhappy. Right. Good food. Oh, all right. Everybody starts to pep up. We're a worth bit. something, right? Yeah. So well worth it. Um, nothing jumps to mind as far as like a specific meal, but they do every now and then. They'll do these comfort food lunches mm. where it's mac and cheese. Fried chicken. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, some ribs. You know, it's just this comfort food heaven. Um, and I usually eat a ton <laughs> and then come back from the afternoon shoots and I'm nodding off. You go big. Oh, I go big. And, and but I mean, are you like, I'm going big, I'm sorry, like we're going to have to do a few extra takes in the afternoon or you just end up going big without planning it? I just go big. If it's in front of me, I don't have time to think. <laughs> you just react. It's like the military training. More military training come in. Right, 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 right. You just deal with it. You respond to the situation. You just respond to the situation. Instinct takes over. (laughs) You went to the Masters this year. Have you been multiple times? Never. First time time to the Masters. That might also be one of my great uh, golf memories. Walking in, huh? You know, I've I've watched it my whole life. I've seen every hole all my whole life. I've watched so much golf there. You know, I always love watching the Masters. It's such a special thing. Then to actually get there and have context and see things and walk in and actually walk on the fairways and, you know, stand right by the 16th green, you know, as they're hitting into you, you know, or whatever. And you, you set up your chair and you just, here they come and you watch them all approach and you realize, Oh, so these guys are hacks like me, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they put them in the water, they put them in the sand, they put right. them short, you know, they go long, you know, they, it's, it's golf, yeah, you know, and, 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 these are the best of the best. These are the best in the world, and they're doing that. Yeah. So when I when I play in a tournament and I stuff one off into the water or I chunk one, chunk a chip, which is my favorite thing to do, is it? off a tight lie, forget oh. about it. It's the worst. So um, uh, 
I, I, I beat myself up, but I got to remember, I don't do this professionally. Yeah, this yeah. is not what I do. You're an entertainer. I'm an entertainer, and I, I like golf, you know, so I have to cut myself some slack. But it's that d- deep burning desire. We all want to be better. Yeah. We all want to improve. And uh, I re- I'll never forget, I almost quit the game. About seven or eight years ago, um, I still had an old set of Cobras that I bought when I was still in the Marines. And I lived in New York for 10 years. So I never played. For Hard ten, to play there. For 10 years. I just never played, unless it was I was on vacation. Um, and even then, you know, I didn't play that much. So for I lost the game for about 10 years. But when I moved out here, I was like, oh, I'm getting back into it. I went out, and I was in Vegas. I was playing Southern Highlands. Um, and I shot 106. <laughs> A hundred and six. How hot was it that day? <laughs> it, was, it was winter. It was oh, winter, geez. so it was cold, actually. But I remember thinking, that's the, I mean, even for me, that's a, a horrific score. That's high. Horrific. Yeah. You have to try to do that bad. Yeah. And I remember, I've never been more embarrassed and more mad and more frustrated. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm either going to quit or I'm going to double down. And... I, That's bold. I doubled down. I said, these clubs are gone. I threw away the clubs. I went and bought brand new clubs so I'd be you know, motivated and inspired to play. I got lessons. I joined a club. Like I, I threw myself into it because I loved the game. I didn't yeah. want to quit it, but I, was, I couldn't go on doing that garbage. So I, I, uh, I did all those things, and the, the instructor I got, Ron Del Barrio, uh, right out here at Whistlet. Uh, yeah. Is that Whistlet? Uh, Whitset. Whitset. Yeah, yeah. Whitset. That's a great. That's the only course I've ever shot even par at. <laughs> <laughs> it's a par three course. Uh, so he's, he, you know, he's a driving range pro, whatever, but he's a fantastic teacher. He's very good. Wonderful educator. Really understands the swing uh, and took me from 106 down to the mid 80s. That's great. Uh, where I still sort of remain. I mean, I, I've been known to maybe get a 79 or 78. Uh, once or twice, but uh, generally I'm I'm mid to low 80s, and um, when I start playing enough, it can it can drop down. But yeah. I love the game now because sometimes I'm hot, sometimes I'm not, but I I'm never melt down like that. Golf has that. Uh, you were, the way you were talking about it made me think about like um, like a drug addict. It's almost like uh, well, this has stopped working. I need to I need to now my tolerance has gone to the point where I'm not enjoying it. I'm not playing well. I need to really like hit the gas. Yeah. Luckily, golf's a healthy obsession. Yes, yes. Um, and I just played in a great charity tournament uh, called the Crew Cup. Uh, mm. uh, Crew Capital puts it on, but it's a wonderful charity event up in the Monterey Peninsula this yeah. last week. And, you know, that's some of the most beautiful golf in the world. It's unbelievable. Up there. And you get out on those courses, and you're walking around, and it's gorgeous. And, you, like, you know, you have that fellowship with everybody, and, and, you, and especially if you're playing well. There's nothing better. No. There's nothing better. You know, we I just got back from a golf trip, and I was trying to um, separate the experience of playing a wonderful golf course, mm-hmm. weather, and my own uh, performance. Yeah. And and they are very hard to separate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could go to Cyprus. <laughs> what if you went to Cyprus and shot 110 with some assholes? Yeah. Like, I'd rather go to Wilson and mm-hmm. shoot 79 with my best friend. I couldn't agree more. That's absolutely right. Because it, it's... It's a. It's about. Uh, it's about your friends and about the way you play. How do you manage that? I mean, you have so little time. Uh-huh. You're going to go out and play. You play at Sherwood, right? Is that? Uh, right? Yes. Did I, did I yeah, get yeah. that right? Yep. How do you How do you manage that time? What do you do? Early morning? How do you How do you get into your? It golf? is so situationally driven. Um, I try to grab time whenever I can. Um, you ever play with Craig? Craig Nelson? 
I see him out there. He's one of my best friends. Is he? Yeah. I see him out there all the time, uh, him and his dog. Yeah, no. And, and uh, I've said hi a couple times. He has no idea who I am. Uh, he, he really? Does, no, he has no idea. Um, and I'm not going to push it, you know? <laughs> I'm not. I'm you just not. go up to him and give him an in the face. Yeah, I don't think that would have any effect. <laughs> uh, so I, I respectfully nod to him and wave to him and say hi. And uh, I think I, I told I did catch him one time uh, out there, and I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm a big fan. And he said, oh, thanks. And then, you know, went about his business and said yeah, that. He sure but, did. Yeah, you know, look, he doesn't know. And I don't expect him to. It's fine. But um, yeah. I don't even think he's seen The Incredibles. <laughs> I really don't. He's got to. Don't, don't you think? Don't you think he went he, to the premiere at least? He, he. I told him. I said. I said, Craig. I've. I, I go to his house every Sunday at yeah. three o'clock. I said, Craig. I watched Poltergeist the other day. Yeah. He said, Oh, how is it? I've never seen it. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. That's awesome. Um, See, he's he's cock of the walk. Who who are your heroes out there in in the world of in, in your world? Um, in life. Yeah, and then we can do golf, or you can do both, or you can do one or the other. Oh, there's so many. I mean, you, you kind of said Eddie Murphy. Do you have any in yeah. golf? Let's, let's do golf. Okay, golf. Uh, look, I mean, who couldn't be proud of Tiger right now for his comeback? I was hoping you'd bring it up. Were you watching on Sunday? I was. Did you cry? I did not cry. Did you want to? No. Why didn't you cry? <laughs> I, I, I was really happy for him, though. I like redemption. Yeah. I like comebacks. Um, you know, because I was talking with someone else about it, and they were like, they kind of had an attitude about it, you know, like, oh, well, except for, you know, he screwed up or whatever. And I'm like, you know what, dude? If we go through life never allowing someone to get up once they've fallen, we're terrible people. Yeah. You have to allow people to uh, redeem themselves. You have to allow people to be forgiven. Otherwise, every mistake you make, you're done. Mm. That's just unacceptable to me. So... Yeah, you know, he, he, he made mistakes, he, he, he went through a really hard time, and, and I'm just really happy to see that he, he made this, this comeback. Um, he had a great moment. It was, he worked so hard to get there. Um, I, was, I was happy for him. I was really happy for him. You know, it's funny because I, uh, I kind of went through multiple phases with Tiger. I only got into golf eight years ago, right around the time he took a six iron to the car or, okay. or received one. Yes. Um, and so I was, I didn't, I wasn't there for the early, for the yeah. early success. And, but I was there for this thing. And, you know, I'm sure fundamentally a lot of people could say that they're relatively faithful people. What, but, but Craig, I sat down with Craig for a while and I was like, yeah, I'm just not a big fan. I don't really care. And he was like, shut up, dude. It's not about his personal life. And, you know, what something weird for me clicked over on Sunday was when I was like, yeah, okay, so he's a victim of his own decisions. But aren't we all? Always. Like, Always. For and, us that's, to... and that's a very hard thing in life, you know, is living with decisions. And, yeah. And you don't know, and no one knows the context of your world. No. No one knows. I, I, I see people all the time, and, and I, you know, you, you forget everybody's carrying around some pain. Yeah. Everybody's carrying around some burden, some fear, some anxiety, some hurt. Everybody. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I think in my later years, I've become more aware of other people, less narcissistic, <laughs> but more aware of people. And, and you realize everybody's hurting in some way. And so you just try to be gentle if you, you know, and kind if you can. Yeah. Because everybody's carrying some burden. Brings me to my next question. Would you rather yeah. have a third wrist mm -hmm. or a third, I think I passed it. Testicle? That would be good. A third wrist or a third testicle? Testicle. 
Okay, the actual question is, where the fuck is this card? Third wrist or a third eye? Third eye. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 Third wrist? What are you going to do with an extra wrist? I guess so, it's yeah. It's totally I guess, useless. I guess, the well, what if the third eye messes up your vision? This is not a scientific well, question. Well, I'm assuming that it enhances your vision. I mean, not, I mean if, it, if, it, if it throws you into some sort of weird honeycomb vision, yeah. then, yeah, no thanks. Third wrist could be really helpful for the golf swing. A lot more extension, potentially. Maybe more things that could go wrong. Yeah, third wrist, though. But now, I mean, you, now you're talking about something weird here. Yeah, yeah no, that's you like... You need a very special coach. Yeah, very, very special. Uh, would you rather <laughs> eat shit that tastes like chocolate or chocolate that tastes like shit? I know my answer. I'd rather eat chocolate that tastes like shit. Really? You'd rather eat shit? That tastes like chocolate. No. <laughs> Well, because we're starting with one is chocolate and one is shit. <laughs> but the yeah. one is chocolate. You're, ta- you're talking. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. One is chocolate <laughs> and one is shit. Right, right. I'll eat the chocolate, sir. But it tastes exactly like shit. Two plates. <laughs> one plate has chocolate. One plate has a turd on it. I'll take the chocolate. <laughs> you know, I think this is why this is why you're successful. This is good. That was a good decision you made. Um. This go back. You have money now, right? You're you're you have money. So this you got to go eh, dig no. deep, dig deep into when you didn't have any money. Would you rather have a hundred thousand dollars right now, mm-hmm. or would you rather have a fifty fifty shot at a million? Uh, fifty fifty shot. Really? And yeah. even back then, even when you had eight grand in the bank, um, did you ever have eight grand in the bank? Never. The military took care of you. No. No? You know, no one's ever getting rich working for the government. <laughs> but you're getting enough to live on. No, of, of course. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're doing better than uh, an actor doing, going to auditions in Hollywood at 19. Yes. There is a paycheck. Right. On the, fir- on the first and the <laughs> Just 15th. Just to confirm. Yeah. There's <laughs> right. a paycheck on the first and the 15th. Yes. Um, no. If I, you know, look, if I was back in my 350 square foot studio apartment in New York. That's tiny. It is tiny. That's, um, that's, a, that's bigger than this room. Or no, smaller than this it's room. It's smaller than this room. Yeah. No, it's this size it's of this the room. the same. About the size of this room. Yeah. Um, uh, if I was back in that apartment where I lived for three years and someone said 100K, I'd take the 100K. Just kind of take it, right? I'd take it right then, yeah. It all depends on life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I like the 50-50 at a million, though, because I feel like maybe that had something to do with, you know, your story about uh, the first experience of comedy for you. Yeah, I think anybody who uh, chooses a life in the arts, um, you better have thick skin and you better be prepared to do – it's going to be a long road. Yeah. A long, painful, scary road because there's no – you know, if you you are part of a corporation, there's a progression – you know, you you get you work and hopefully you get promoted, you get raises and you climb the ladder and you move on. And then you eventually get to a point where you either continue to climb or you retire. Right. And that's a nice life progression. If you choose a life in the arts, you can do years and decades of work with no payoff. Yeah. With no potential payoff. You know, it, it can it's a scary it's a long shot bet. Uh, but you got to be you, you either bet on yourself or you don't. Two questions. What kind of watch is that, and what time is it? This is uh, an Omega watch, which I got uh, at the European uh, European Masters uh, in Switzerland last year when I was invited to come out and play. They gave it to you? Yes, because Omega was the sponsor. That's a gift and a half. Yeah. and uh, That's clean. 
uh, and I went all through all the way to Switzerland to play in this celebrity, you know, the Masters, the European Masters, Swiss mountain village. They fly you there. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, so excited to play. You know, I was looking forward to it. You know, great group of people. We had all these. You had the European players. We had some American players. Like Mike Phelps was there. Oh, yeah. and, you know, just great people. Michelle Moynihan. How, just, how, why are you not at the Ryder Cup right now? Um, because uh, Night School, uh, my uh, my new movie is coming out this week, uh, coming out this Friday, September twenty eighth. I'm went, excited. Went to the premiere last night. It was fun. Really? Yeah. You saw your own movie? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. It was the premiere? <laughs> you gotta go. You, <laughs> you had to go. You premiere. That you walk the red carpet. And they take pictures. And Tux, it's a big deal. Would you? Would you? Roll I wore a nice suit. A nice, nice flashy suit. suit. Yeah, okay, it's kind of nice. But the European Masters uh, went all the way there. Rained. Ooh. Horrific rain, and so they canceled. The, it got rained out. So our our moment in the sun. We were supposed to play nine holes out there. They said no. So we had a putting competition instead, uh, which we won. I think we were playing the Europeans, and we won. Wow, but, uh, that's that sucks. Yeah, it's a long way to go for no golf. But you got to watch. I got to watch. That'll stay with you. I got to watch. Um, what? Uh, some serious questions. <clears throat> I've never had note cards. I love that. You're so prepared. That's, you like it? that's like a professional. I feel really professional. You should. You, uh, real quick, you worked with Jim Nance. That was a funny bit for a Daily Show. Did you work with him or no, was no, that I just think, a... I think that was for the uh, ESPYs. Uh, in the Daily Show when you did Chasing the Dragon. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, that I was fucking about that. That's fucking funny. That was uh, some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. Oh, thanks. Like, I was actually at my computer, and everyone's in my office, and uh, no, everyone stopped working. <laughs> Everyone's just staring at this bit you did for The Daily Show, where basically Rob goes to China, and he tells the story about an Olympic hopeful, but it's actually just himself trying to get yeah. uh, access to the grounds or something. Yes, yes. Well, and the thing about those field pieces, now this is back in 2008, yeah. the, the Beijing Olympics. Was this like kind of the first thing after UCB? Uh, no, first first job I ever got in showbiz was Saturday Night Live. Ah, right, right. And then then the Daily Show. And that was kind of tragic because Paul didn't go with you, uh, <laughs> right? I mean, because weren't weren't didn't you and Paul audition together? No, uh, not. Are you talking about Paul Shear? Yeah. No, uh, it was Rob Hubel, and oh, we didn't audition together. My apologies. We auditioned at the same time. Ah, okay. So it was individual auditions. Right. And Hubel and I, uh, great comedians, very funny guy. We still perform together at the UCB here right. in Los Angeles. That must be wild. Uh, Wednesday nights, the show's called Facebook, 930, Franklin and Bronson. Tomorrow anyway. night. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we both auditioned at the same time. But did you get to work with Jim Nance on that? I mean, Jim Nance, just 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 color Jim Nance in as if he could get colored in. Uh, what is this guy like? Yeah, you know, I didn't get any time with him. I think because I was... Uh, the thing about those bits is it, it's not like today where there is actual satellite hookups or whatever. I had to pre-write those and pre-think those bits, go over to Beijing, film them, oh. and and film me like talking back to the uh, desk, but there's nobody there. Oh. So we had to pre-write all this stuff and, and try to – and then improvise in the moments because <laughs> things happen in those moments. And you try and fill them in, uh, and, then, and then I would come back. And when I got back, I had all this these tapes, and right. so I, I like dumped them on the editor's desk, and I said, "Here you go." And now you need to write lines for John. And now we need to get John squared <laughs> away, and then, and then I would go stand out in front of the green screen on set <laughs> with like the the lock off footage we had, you know, from Tiananmen. 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 Thank you, Tiananmen Square. <clears throat> and I, so it looks like I'm live there, right? Right. And but I'm really green screen. 
and I'm in the studio with John. So we're doing this back and forth to set up the video piece that I had shot. And then it's clearly that I'm I'm green screen. So everybody's like, wait, is he there? He's not there. And then you cut to the video package, and I'm there. Right. I'm clearly climbing. That or, is you know. multiple levels of yes. confusion and comedy. Totally. And yeah. that was a lot of pre-thinking. But we got it done. The best was when he's like, uh, when he's like, you know, all right, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to Rabu's in China, and you're like. All right, good to see you, John. You know, he's like, thank you for, you know. And yeah, they that, put the delay in. Yeah, the delay was yeah. really good. Yeah, and he was literally right next to me. <laughs> and yet I had to build in a delay. Right. Um, yeah, it was weird. I did, a, um, I was on the Great Wall of China. Right, I saw one that. One day. Doing your then, uh, Israeli uh, Yes, and then I, pre- I, I, being the dumb correspondent that I was, I acted like it was the Wailing Wall. <laughs> so I, I broke out a yarmulke and, you know, and I started, you know, rocking back and forth and and you know saying a prayer out loud which is great fun for us americans apparently the chinese not big fans. not big fans um they uh that's when you realize oh i'm in a police state yeah. because there were dozens of undercover oh. cops on the great wall of china when they saw me doing something religious they converged on me in a big way no way oh yeah i got about a minute of that maybe two minutes of that before we were surrounded. Whoa. And and then they our translator was in he was scared. Yeah, yeah. He was terrified and he was explaining everything. And whoever was in charge of the undercover guys there, basically it was like, get your stuff and get out of here. And so our interpreter was like, let's roll. That's amazing <laughs> that they didn't make you delete the footage. Yeah, no, I we 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 got it. Um most important <clears throat> ingredient to comedy, would you say? Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, anytime people try to dissect comedy, it never goes well. But really? I think surprise is always a good element. Yeah, surprise. I my you know I I like to comedically. I always play characters that are uh, what it's a game I call uh, arrogant ignorance, which is large and in charge but completely stupid. <laughs> um, those are the most dangerous, funny people to me in the entire world. And I've run into them my whole life. You know, right. whether it was in the Marines or high school football or just at a, you know, at a. In a baseball game or whatever, you always see some guy who's just just a big, large and in charge guy. He's got it all locked on, but he's just so stupid. He's so wrong about everything, but he's but he's a hundred percent confident. <laughs> right, right. So I think those guys are hilarious. Well, you do that character well. That's a compliment. Um, <laughs> what what's the deal? Uh, how do you describe someone who was in the military? It's not former marine. It's yeah, no, not it's, retired. It's, it's it's former. It's former. Yeah, uh, yeah. You say former marine, and if he's if he's a retired marine, because a lot of people do like six years or eight years and yeah. they get out, so that would be a former marine. Okay, uh, but it's never X. X. There's only a two, I think. There's only there's Lee Harvey, oh. who's an ex marine. Dang. What a, and then uh, Whitman. He that, was a fucking marine. That Whitman knucklehead of Texas. Right. Went to the bell tower. Wow. There's only two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. What is your greatest fear? We're going to get deep here. Oh, Have you been on Inside the Actor's Studio? No, I not didn't see yet. It. I didn't. Physically, I've been inside the Actor's Studio. <laughs> I've never been on the, uh, the television program. Um, I'll be James Lipton. You'll be Rob Brown. I don't know. I don't know uh, what my fear is. There's, uh, there's all kinds. I mean, I don't have any phobias. Right. Thank God. Um, I don't know. What would be a uh, fear being alone? Uh, is that... I don't know how I feel. I like being alone sometimes, though. I really yeah. like it. Um, paralysis. Oh, yeah. I don't think that would suit me. Um, that reminds me of another question uh, we got from 
former, or I, I don't know what the question is, but the, the, it alludes to the dark. Marines have a pretty unique and often dark sense of humor in challenging environments. What's the best example of this humor you've seen in deployment? Oh, I, you know, it's always gallows humor type stuff. What's that? Uh, What's gallows humor? Oh, you know, uh, gallows humor. It's, I think it comes from, you know, when you're about to be hung back in the old days. Yeah, uh, And you would crack wise about Whoa. it, you know, because <laughs> you're, you're, you're already gone. You know, you're, they're marching you to the gallows. So some people would have fun with it. And What and, would your joke be on the way to the gallows? Um, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's a... That's what it's going to say on my tombstone. Yeah? I knew this was going to happen. I knew this, That's actually really good. Yeah. My tombstone, I've, I've thought about it, and I think it's going to say, was never very serious. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even make sense to me as I say it right now. Um, you, I, I heard a story recently. I was, uh, we were playing golf with a Royal Marine <clears throat> in Scotland, and he said someone was shot right next to him. And uh, the crew gathered around a handful of people, and they said, they looked down, and one of them just finally said... Well, he never really did have a sense of humor anyway. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, like I can see maybe how that would occur. Yeah, that's a gallows humor. That's definitely a, a, a gallows humor. It's, it's all it is. It's any type of that, that dark, you know, um, seeming very insensitive. It's a defense mechanism. It's a way to protect yourself. It's, it's a way to address the fear that you're feeling. Right, um, and that's all it is. It's it's not bravado. It's not ma- machismo. It's it's a defense mechanism because that could be you. Right, that could be your best friend, and so you protect yourself by jokes, and you protect yourself by cracking wise about stuff like that. That's oh, all it God. is. I mean, I can't even imagine if I was watching Band of Brothers and I'm and I'm moved. Yeah. What the fuck? What must it feel like to be there? Yeah, you know, I I, I was uh, I, you were I, all over the I, place. I deployed a lot in my in my Marine career, and uh, I helped evacuate the embassy in Liberia. I um, uh, went into Albania, helped with the refugee crisis there. Then moved into Kosovo, was shot at in Kosovo, um, and then went to Afghanistan on two different occasions. So, um, been to a lot of different combat zones. Um, always interesting, always different. And uh, I'm very glad to be home. Anytime you go to a, a place where there's no law, um, you realize how good it is to be in a civilized society with, with laws, with hospitals, with police, that if you pick up the phone, someone's going to come help you, with a court system, mm-hmm. that if someone's bad, we can make sure they stay out of society. Uh, if you're hurt, it's nice to go to a hospital and have a doctor heal you. Yeah. Um, these are things we take for granted. I feel that way when I come back from like Simi Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I love Simi Valley. Hey, hey, hey I play, I, I play Rusty, Rusty Canyon. Canyon. I play Rusty Canyon all the time. I have a hole in one there. Yeah, I play with a group. Of, we call ourselves the Ramblers. Uh, great guys. Yeah, and we uh, we get out, you know, probably once every couple weeks. But uh, yeah, they're great guys. And we always play Rustic. Rustic's our place. Rustic rated one of the top 100 public courses in America for a long time. Should be great course. I love it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a fantastic course. Great course. You go there even though you even the, where, what, what part of town do you live in? Uh, Thousand Oaks. Address. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thousand Oaks. So and, oh, so it's not that far for you. Twenty minutes, thirty minutes. No, it's great. It's great. And and you know, look, I, I obviously I play at Sherwood as well, but I, yeah. I you know I, my buddies uh, 
like to play Rustic, so we go out and play Rustic. Rustic's chill. Rustic's fantastic. It is chill. It's great. The greens are fucking hard, though. The greens are. F- I love them, and I love the openness. Yeah. You know, you you. I feel like you always got a shot. You're always in it. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. nice. It's good. Um, do you have uh, on, ooh, on what occasion? Oh, I will say this. I did play up in Monterey, uh, a place called the Preserve. Have you heard of this? I have. I've never been. So amazing. Really. Long way to get to public. No, no. I don't think so. But. Amazing the course. Preserve. The Preserve. Amazing course. I'll check it out. Amazing. amazing. I'm going to sneak my drone in. Do it. Uh, on what occasion does Rob Riggle lie? Um, not very often. It has to be. You it's just lied. Honestly. That is a lie. Yeah, it is a lie. <laughs> All the time. Um, I generally, I don't lie unless, this is going to sound very self-aggrandizing, unless it's to protect someone's feelings. That's nice. You know, like. I, I'll, I'll, I'm I'll, busy. I'll do the Hollywood. I can't thing. make it. I'll do the Hollywood thing. Right. You know, because you don't want to be cold. No. I could be cold. You're not Larry David. Yeah. There's no point in being cold. Yeah. Do you want to get lunch? No. Yeah. That's what it's supposed and, to be. And by the way, like when I lived in New York, I did come to because I'm a Midwesterner, so we have like these overboard. We're like Canadians. We have hard these, to say goodbye. We have these very uh, drilled into us manners. Right. You know? And 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 I do see an advantage. I, I do see uh, goodness in. Being nice to people and and letting them down easy, or you know, yeah. But at the same time, like when I lived in New York, it took me a while to get used to it. But then I really started to appreciate when they say, "Hey, shut up," yeah, you know, or you know, uh, no, you know, I move it, jerk, you know. And I was always like, "Oh, I was all a flutter (laughs) when I first moved there." And then I started to realize, no, it's just efficient. Right, they're just being efficient because the New Yorkers that I met, and I I I met a lot, um, I loved all of them. They were all great, salt-of-the-earth people, willing to do anything for you. They worked hard. They yeah. they were just great people, but they didn't bullshit. Yeah. They just would say, hey, shut up, sit down, you know, or yeah. knock it off. And I, I started to really respect and admire that style a lot. I still don't do it because I'm, I'm I got too many deep pathways of manners in me. I think the interesting thing about New York is I feel like if they don't want to hang out with you, they'll just say it. Yeah. But in L.A., they're like, let's definitely hang out. Well, that's the poison. It's bad. It's bad. L.A. is so bad about that. It's... L.A. and it's it. I get it. It's almost kind of a necessity because you do you don't want to slam doors shut. So you no. you do try to stay open to opportunities and people, and that requires. I love you. I love your work. Yeah. I love uh, you know. Let's have lunch. That'd be awesome. And then you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you have to manage your expectations. Yeah. Like I manage my expectations when when. People hit me with praise or want to have lunch. I'm like, that's great. I love it. Let's do it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm like, okay, that's I, you know, yeah, that's about what I thought. Not but it's not. Surprised. But I'm not hurt or no. wounded by it anymore. Anymore. Which words or <laughs> phrases do you overuse? Oh, I thought you were going to give me a list. Um, <laughs> I was like, um, you just—he raised his eyebrows at me, and I was like, uh, that's what? it. That's yeah. all there is. To I was it. Like, is that a phrase? <laughs> You do a lot of facial humor, though. I do love that. Well, 70% of our communication is body language. Is it really? Yeah. Now, I also want to change the shoulders I have. Yeah, see? Watch that body language, people. People (laughs) are telling you something. The people that don't pick up social cues drive me nuts. That is tough. Pick up your social cues. Uh, um, Close breathers? Uh, What is that? Interpersonal space invaders? Yeah. No, thank you. I'll back up. Yeah. (laughs) But they... uh, (laughs) Yeah, pick up the social cues out there, America. Start working on that. Look, you literally changed my body language. Now I'm leaning back in the chair. <laughs> I feel so You're much fine. better. You're fine. You're fine. I feel better. Uh, what do I say? Um, a lot. Um, 
Um, I don't have it. I don't know. I, I keep it mixed up. Yeah, I keep a nice grab bag. It's good. You don't. There's don't no. There's no uh, right or wrong answer. There was a. There was a brief time in eighth grade when I said choice <laughs> for a while. Like somebody would say, like sneakers. Yeah, they'd be like, choice. dude, nice, uh, nice sneakers. Dude, those are choice. <laughs> and I think that went on for about a semester, but I said it all the time. Right. Annoyingly so. so. I say I, I've gotten back into saying tight. Tight. That's tight. That's tight. tight. <laughs> See, anytime I try to use like hip language. Yeah. I come off as the oldest, whitest dude in America. Because, like, somebody even the other day, I was talking to someone, and they're like, oh, man, let's take a picture. That'd be dope. And I'm like... That'd be dope. Yeah. If I said it, it's such a poser, you know? That's yeah. so not in my vernacular. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's the parlance of our times, you know? You got to try i mean you look more like a dad than any other dad that's ever been alive <laughs> <laughs> right now i do yeah, yeah checkered, i got the button down checkered, checkered button down and uh, the beard's new though I'm i like the beard kinda, I like the, the, beard. the beard's new i um, saw it on good morning america when you talked about acting with your daughter that was a cool story uh, yeah yeah thanks. that's in this upcoming project uh, um or that's a different that was a different one different one yeah sorry. that was a different one sorry. yeah yeah no no problem but sorry. um I, I am just going to watch The Hangover for the next week. So yeah, do that. I'm just going to focus. Yeah, you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll work. It makes me happy. If I'm in for five minutes of that movie, I'm in for the whole thing. Do you ever click into uh, the greater meaning of your job, the bigger purpose of it all? No. Really? No, but I have an appreciation for it. But I mean, you must. Because somebody asked me that the other day. They were like, you know, um, what if, I don't know, he said something, and I forget what the question was, but it, it made, my answer was, uh, what it made what sparked it was, um, I, I, I said, well, try to imagine a world where there's no music. Imagine that. No music. There's no songs. We don't sing. Yeah, I can't hear anything. Okay, think how much that would suck. Think Now imagine, think about all your favorite TV shows and movies. Anything that ever inspired you or made you laugh or made you cry. Imagine if there was, that was gone. You know? Imagine if there was no books. Imagine all these are created by the artists. You know? Uh, so we do have to embrace that and celebrate the, the, the arts and the artists. Um, and so, yeah, I, when I, when you talk about the bigger picture, yeah, I think there's value added by the artists of this world. There is value added. Now we might not like, you know, when they get on their political soapboxes or they, when they do this or that, but when they bring their art to the, to the masses or to people, um, I think they do a great service because it, it uplifts everybody. You do. Well, everybody. You're not in, you got, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying is I just think comedy is, no matter how you feel, people go to it to feel better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look, so I'm I, thinking about the hangover. Like, if I'm on a plane and I'm depressed, I'll click the hangover, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good. I get that's great. That's yeah. it's, it's awesome to be part of something like that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your most treasured possession? Treasured possession. These are, I feel like I'm stumping you, you, no, here. you Well, I never get asked these things. These are great questions. I've never been asked these things. Uh, I, I have many possessions. They all matter. Um, I have things that my kids made for me in school uh-huh. that, you know, I love. Uh, I have my, my grandfather's VFW pin. Whoa. Because I'm in the VFW now, so I, I wear that. You know, I wear his pin because he was in World War II. Um, and what occasion do you wear the pin? When I go to military events or to VFW events, like or, to speak or to yeah. just sort of stand it's a lapel pin in solidarity. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, and he's passed on now, and and uh, he was very, you know. I remember when I was in college, I was taking a history class, and I had to write a paper on World War II, and uh, I 
I had my pilot's license at the time, so I would fly. I flew from my from my college down to his farm. What type of aircraft? Uh, that trip was a Piper. Nice. So it was a low wing. Yeah, yeah. Normally it's a Cessna. Those are kind of sporty. Yeah, they, it feels yeah. like you're really flying when yeah, the wing's yeah. underneath you. You know, single prop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, single engine. Um, and I landed and and spent the night down at the farm interviewing him, and he opened up. He never talked to me about it before, and never talked to me about it after. But he, for that night, he really opened up and told me some amazing stories about his journey with the Eighth Army Air Corps um, as they moved. Because he started in England and moved all the way to Berlin. You know, like he went the whole way. Whoa. So, um, Whoa. So he was. He had an amazing journey, and he shared pictures that I'd never seen before. And um, you know, it was just it was a really cool cool thing. So when when I got his VFW pin, it meant a lot to me. I'm not a big keepsake guy, but I, but I know what you're talking about. Those things, I have a few of those things. Like uh, my father made a pen out of a piece of wood. Yeah. And I, whenever anyone comes to my office, I say, this is very important. Nothing else I really don't care about. Yeah. I don't care about any sort of logo golf ball or anything. Sure. But that, that is something really special. Yeah. Um, any regrets? Yeah. We're, any regrets in your life? Couple, couple always. last questions. There's, there's always going to be. A what regret. is your greatest regret? There's always a regret or two. Um, regret could be a good middle name, even though it's it's Alan, but it could be. Yeah. R R R would be. I you know I I'm, I'm there's always going to be regret. You know why regret's not a bad thing because uh, it means you're moving forward. Mm. Uh, so you know, um, but I gotta say, if if I do have some out there, they're they're pretty minor. Yeah. Um, they're probably more like personal failings that I wish I would have you know, worked harder or tried harder or made a better decision or something. But other than that, no, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. No regrets. No, pretty blessed. Yeah, I guess I don't really have any either. Maybe I do, but I'll, I'll unpack that on my own later. <laughs> <laughs> In session. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually don't go. Do you go to therapy? I don't go anymore. Uh, I used no. to go. You no. don't go? Yeah. You do go? No. You don't go? I'm out of questions. Do you have any, more? I, do you have any questions uh, for me? No. Um, I want to thank you. This no, was fun. Don't thank me. Thank you. No, I thank you. This was fun. I, I enjoyed it, it man. Um, I appreciate it. It's nice time. to meet you, and I hope you come out and play with us. I would love to. Yeah. It's at uh, Valencia. I didn't, I didn't even ask. What's your handicap? I'm a. What do you think it is? I think you're a. You're either scratch or like a six. Hey, six point three. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. But I just took a lesson. You know, I, I take lessons like once a month. Yeah. And uh, that that inflates the old uh, the old score for a little bit. Yeah, because you're working in some new things in your swing, probably. Yeah. yeah. Listen though, man, you started the game late, and yeah. you're a six. Yeah. I started with 14. I'm I'm struggling 12. So that's fantastic. But you know what's funny is I was I was just uh, in a hotel, and there was about 30 British dudes, all about 75 years old, and they were just holding court in this lobby, drinking, sort of scrambled some tables together and one of them I started talking about and I said so what are you guys doing you know and he's like oh we're up here for on a golf trip you know and I was oh, like the best. I was like how was your day you know he's like oh well you know I'm a I'm a 15 handicap and I shot my handicap so I feel great and yeah. I was immediately like holy shit dude this guy's about to die yeah. and he's just happy that he shot his handicap and therein lies the golf gig yeah you you just play you yeah yeah it's it you do you play you you try to be a little bit better than the day before you don't don't worry about anybody else. Yeah. Play that, and then I also take away from that story, is that he and about what 10, 12, 15, 20 guys all got together at their end and said, "We're going to California from England, and we're going to play some golf." 
I dig that so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like I said, I got a group of friends that I like to play with. I hope we do that stuff too, you know, get a group together and go play. Have you been to Bandon or anything? Are you, are you... I haven't been to Bandon yet. Yeah. No. Want to go there. That'd be Only a great two place states left in the union that I have to visit. Really? I've made it to all 40, I made it to 48 states and I haven't gone to Oregon or South Dakota. Really? Yeah. Great golf in both states. Yeah. I'm Sa- not... Sand Hills. Have you heard of it? I heard of it. Yeah. That's... I thought that was in Nebraska. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's why it's not in South Dakota. Yeah. I think you're right. Mount Rushmore. Great Going destination. There. there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Rob, for the time. Absolutely. Uh, everyone check Rob Riggle out on Instagram. Is that where you're most active or Twitter? Uh, I, you know what? I post everything to Instagram, but then it feeds to Twitter and Facebook. So go to so. go to Instagram. It's just Rob Riggle. Yeah. Uh, your movie opens uh, Friday. night shift. Friday night. Yep. Night school with Kevin night Hart school. and Tiffany Haddish. Uh, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. You can also see Rob Riggle's Ski Master Academy on Sony Crackle, which is, you can download it for free. It's a very it's streaming that's, digital. That's new. Yeah, it's free. It's like Hulu and Netflix. you got to pay. Not a Sony Crackle. It's totally free. There's a lot of entertainment for zero charge. I like that. Yeah. And then uh, your podcast comes out, what days of the week? Thursday. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Riggle's, Riggle's Picks. Picks. Right here on podcast. Did you ever think of calling it, I apologize, this is offensive, Riggle's Pickles? course you did think about it all the time <laughs> it's not over yet you know this is just season just one change it. you this and sarah have one. great banter i do like that show yeah she's awesome uh and then wednesday nights i'm coming oh nice 8 30 in 9:30, hollywood 9:30, uh franklin and bronson uh facebook show ucb theater I, I if i'm in town i'm usually there cool yeah. great there's that's you know, all right well, we'll figure that out thank you so much rob i appreciate it all right thanks bud